It's good to be with you again this evening. In Zechariah chapter 6 and verse number 12, the prophet spoke of the one whose name is the branch. It's a messianic prophecy, of course, but I do want you to note with me that he doesn't say the one whose name is the branch. He said the man whose name is the branch. We're summarizing Luke in five words. Last Sunday evening, we talked about the word salvation, and we noticed together how the book of Luke begins and ends with the subject of salvation, and that all throughout the book, salvation is emphasized in a number of different ways. Tonight, our word is humanity. Luke in five words, and our word is humanity. Again, in Zechariah 6 and verse 12, the prophet did not see one whose name or uh, one who is called the branch. He saw the man who is called the branch. You remember that John will tell us in John chapter 1, verses 1 and following, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so when we talk about Jesus, we, of course, are talking about God and man. We're talking about God who became or took on flesh. And one of the things that Luke will emphasize in his book is the human side of our Lord. That's why we're using the word humanity. When we think about the humanity of Jesus or the humanity, if you will, that is emphasized uh, in this book, there are three different things that come to mind. And I want us to notice those three things this evening. And I do want to say as well that as we go through and we notice these three things together, that we ought also to keep in mind our study last week with the word salvation. And I'm convinced that if you're looking for maybe a fundamental word, a foundational word, one in which these other words will be connected or maybe spring from, then salvation would be the one. So think about the connection between the words humanity and the word salvation this evening as we go through some of these passages and look at some of these things that Luke will emphasize. The first thing that I want us to notice as we think about the idea of humanity in the book of Luke is this phrase that Luke will use 25 times in the book, and that phrase is the Son of Man the Son of Man. It appears 25 times in the book, and we have talked about this designation before because Luke, of course, is not the only only, uh, writer of a gospel account that uses this word or this phrase. In fact, the title Son of Man was Jesus' favorite way to refer to himself. And so Matthew, Mark, and Luke all emphasize it in a number of different ways, but Luke in particular. When we think of the term or the phrase son of man, immediately our minds should travel back to the Old Testament and the book of Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. It is also, Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14, a messianic prophecy and one with which I think we're familiar This is what Daniel writes in Daniel 7, verse 13. He says, I was watching in the night uh, visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. 
He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Then all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. The one like the Son of Man, a reference to Jesus. The Ancient of Days, a reference to the Father. The mention of dominion and glory and a kingdom, talking about the coronation, the exaltation of Jesus Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, King over his kingdom. So in this context, through prophecy, Daniel is looking forward to the coming and the work of the Messiah, and specifically the coming and the work of the Messiah as a conquering king. But in the book of Luke, and Matthew and Mark as well, but particularly in the book of Luke, whenever Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man, that's where our mind should go immediately. It is an image of kingship, it is an image of authority, and it is Jesus essentially saying, that person that Daniel was writing about in Daniel 7, that's me. But something else that we ought to think about when we think about this phrase or this title, Son of Man, is simply the humanity of Jesus and how Luke will illustrate that. Look with me, if you will, Luke chapter 3 and Luke chapter 4, two contexts that maybe we read over quickly in our Bible reading and our Bible study, but these two contexts have something important to say about a lot, but particularly about this subject. I want you to notice with me Luke chapter 3, verse 23 through 38, and what do you see? You find the um, genealogy of Jesus. I want you to notice with me at the end of the genealogy of Jesus, Luke 3 and verse 38, this is what the passage says. The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Now if you put your bookmark or your finger in Luke chapter 3 and you turn back to the other genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1 and uh, look at how Matthew develops his genealogy, you're going to see a difference. This is what Matthew has to say in uh, Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1, where does Matthew begin? Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Do you notice a difference? Matthew begins with David. Matthew begins with Abraham. Remember two of the key verses, or three of the key verses, or key phrases, I mean, words for Matthew, fulfillment, king, and kingdom. What is Matthew trying to do in his gospel account? By inspiration, of course, Matthew is showing us the connection of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who is the fulfillment of messianic prophecy, who is the descendant of Abraham and the descendant of David who is going to come and reign on David's throne. But Luke approaches it from a different perspective. Luke does not take Jesus back only to Abraham. Jesus connect, or excuse me, Luke connects Jesus back to who? He is the son of Adam, he says. He is the son of God. Why do you suppose that connection is made? The reason would be because Luke wants us to see that Jesus is not just the Messiah that has come into the world for the Jews, but rather Jesus is the Messiah that has come into the world for the entire human race, for all humanity. Look in Luke chapter 4. We have another section that reminds us of the humanity, the human side of Jesus. 
in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1 and going all the way down to verse number, about verse 13. It's Luke's account of the temptation of Jesus. But what do we know about the temptation of Jesus? When we study it closely, you remember what John says in 1 John 2 verse 16? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all of these things are in the world, John says. And when we look closely at the temptation of Jesus in Luke chapter 3, what we find is that Jesus is tempted in all of those areas as well. And then let's let uh, Hebrews 2 verse 14 and 15 be a commentary on this. Hebrews 2 14 says, Inasmuch then as children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that he through death might destroy the power of, the, of um, excuse me, the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. That's really what I meant to do anyway. Hebrews 2 is, has nothing to do with what we're studying, but we just read it and so it's bonus. Look at Hebrews 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through, uh, through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. I bet many of us can finish this by memory. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in time of need. What is the Hebrews writer trying to get us to see in Hebrews 4, not Hebrews 2, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16? He's trying to bring to our minds the fact that our Savior, our mediator, our go-between who stands between us and God, that he was here in the flesh and that he has endured temptation and struggles and so on just the same way as we have. I would suggest to you that that's the same kind of thing that Luke is doing in Luke, doing in Luke chapter 4. He connects him back to Adam, Luke chapter 3. I want you to know that this is not, Jesus didn't come just for the Jews. Jesus came for everybody. And I want you to know, Hebrews chap, or excuse me, Luke chapter 4, Jesus was tempted just like everybody, the humanity of Jesus. But what else did Jesus endure that shows us, uh, reminds us of his human side? What about Luke chapter 9 and verse number 22? The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Do, has there ever been any other human being who suffered in history besides Jesus? What about Luke chapter 9 and verse number 58? Luke 9 verse 58 says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus, the human side of Jesus, he suffered. He endured poverty. Luke 9 verse 58. Luke 22 and verse 22 the Son of Man is going to be betrayed, Jesus says. Has there ever been another human being who has endured betrayal, being stabbed in the back, having one who is close to them turn against them? All of these things Luke will emphasize in this book about our Lord, his suffering, his betrayal, his emotion, his sympathy, his empathy, even his prayer. There are nine occurrences in the book of Luke 
excuse me, references in the book of Luke either to Jesus' prayers himself or Jesus' teaching on prayer, and Luke records more about Jesus and prayer than Matthew, Mark, or John. Why do you suppose that's the case? Because Luke wants us to understand, God wants us to understand the humanity of Jesus. That the word became flesh and dwelt among us mean that, means that he had a fleshly body, just like you and me. Think about Isaiah 52 and 53. We've studied that passage before together where Isaiah talks about the servant of God who is going to suffer, and he talks about in graphic detail the nature of his suffering, the emotional suffering that Jesus endured on the cross. I would suggest to you that God wants us to find comfort in the fact that Jesus knew what it was to hurt and to cry and to experience joy and heartbreak and the entire sphere of human emotions, just like each and every one of us do. And so again, remember Hebrews 4, verse 14 and 15. When we think about the Son of Man and Jesus describing himself as the Son of Man, those are two things we need to remember. Number one, Deuteron- or excuse me, Daniel 7, 13 and 14, it's Jesus essentially saying, that's me. But number two, all of these items of humanity, if you will, that Luke will identify that Jesus Jesus manifests in this book. Here's the second thing that I want us to think about under the heading of humanity. One of the great, great themes of Luke, and one of the things that I think most Uh, sets Luke apart as far as being unique from the other gospel accounts is the great emphasis that Luke puts on the time that Jesus spent with people of all kinds. The attention and the effort that Jesus gave to people of all kinds. Let's look at uh, one chapter uh, just to begin with. What about Luke chapter 15? One of the most memorable chapters in the book, if not in the entirety of the New Testament, Luke 15, three parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, or we sometimes call it the prodigal son. Do you remember what it was that necessitated these parables? Luke 15, verse 1 and 2, then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. The image of Jesus, in contrast with the Pharisees and the scribes in the book of Luke, is Jesus seeing people who needed him the most, and Jesus connecting himself with them, going out of his way to give them attention. Remember, Jesus would say in Luke chapter 5, that um, those that are well don't need a physician, but those that are sick. And then in Luke, chapter, uh, in Luke chapter 19, you'll remember he says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. We talked about that last week. Again, remember the connection, the humanity of Jesus, the word or the idea of humanity with that of salvation. Jesus came to save man. He came to save all man. And so naturally, Luke is going to highlight for us the fact that since Jesus came to save all man, that Jesus was interested in all men. 
Jesus attaches himself to tax collectors and publicans and sinners and so on. Whereas the Pharisees and the scribes, they sort of stiff-arm them. They keep away from them. And in their minds, there is a certain uh, protocol, if you will, a certain standard of behavior that those who are teachers of the Word of God are supposed to follow. Jesus doesn't follow it at all. And the reason is because that protocol isn't anything that God designed, but rather it is something that those men designed. Well, Luke 15 is a perfect illustration of all of this because this whole chapter, and particularly the end, the last parable, the parable of the prodigal son, you recall it's not really about the prodigal son anyway, it's about the older brother. And the reason is because when the prodigal son returns back to the father, the father is uh, overjoyed to receive him back and receives him in a position of honor. And the older brother is uh, not at all happy about that, and he protests it and so on. And what Jesus wants these tax collectors and the, or excuse me, wants these scribes and these Pharisees to see is that the tax collectors and the sinners are represented in the prodigal son and the Pharisees and the scribes are represented in the older brother. And instead of being angry about Jesus coming to save them and to reconcile them back to the Father, they ought to be what? They ought to be rejoicing. But write down these passages. Jesus, in the book of Luke, he'll also spend time with the poor. Luke chapter 1, verse 52 Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Luke chapter 6, verse 30. Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse number 11. Jesus was invited to a supper. And um, this is what he said. When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends or uh, your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid But when you give a feast, invite the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus spent time with the poor. Another interesting thing about this book is the fact that it shows our Lord giving careful attention to even to uh, women and children. And that's something that, again, would not fit the uh, profile, if you will, the expected profile that the Jews and even others of the Gentile world would have had for someone coming and claiming to be the Son of God and speak on behalf of God. But you can write down passages like Luke chapter 7, verse 12, Luke chapter 7 and verse 37, Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3, Luke chapter 8, verse 42. What about Luke chapter 7 and verse 37, incidentally? This is an interesting occasion. In Luke 7, it actually goes uh, up to verse uh, number 36. And we're told in Luke 7 and verse 36 that one of the Pharisees wanted to eat with Jesus. And so he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And then we read about this woman who was a sinner in verse number 37. And in all likelihood, that is a euphemism for this woman was a prostitute. 
And this is the occasion in which this woman comes and she anoints Jesus' feet and she washes Jesus' feet. And the Pharisee is appalled by all of this. But then it's Jesus who puts uh, puts the Pharisee in his proper place, verse number 40 and 41, and who also speaks to and shows graciousness and mercy to the woman, verse 44 through 50. There's the Samaritan, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. The tax collector, Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus had a great interest in people. And when we talk about humanity as it's seen in the book of Luke, we have to keep that in mind. That this is a book that shows our Lord's compassion and our Lord's interest in all kinds of people, in his care for all kinds of people, and the expectation for all people to follow him. Luke 9, verse 23. If, can you finish it? If anyone, or maybe you're using the King James Version, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Who is included in the anyone or the whoever? Well, it's exactly what it says, anyone or whoever. It doesn't matter social status, it doesn't matter male, female, rich, poor, Jew, Gentile, none of those things matter. Jesus says, anyone who is willing to follow me and come after me under my terms, then let them do it. So when we think about humanity in the book of Luke, this is the second thing that ought to come to mind. Our Lord's great interest and care of people, of individuals. Number three, and we've kind of been jumping all around this already, so just a minute or two. Jesus came to meet man's greatest need, and that is salvation. I want you to write down in your notes Luke 9, verse 51 through 55. Luke 10, verse 30 to 37, and Luke 17, verse 11 to 19. That's Luke 9, verse 51 to 55, Luke 10, verse 30 to 37, and Luke 17, verse 11 to 19. The reason that I would like for you to write those down is because each one of those sections contains references to Gentiles, to non-Israelites, And again, when we're talking about the humanity of Jesus, when we're talking about humanity in the book of Luke, we have to keep in mind going back to Luke chapter 3 that Jesus did not come to be the Savior of the Jews only. Jesus came to be the Savior of everybody. In Luke 13 and verse number 29, Jesus made this statement. They will come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and they will sit down in the kingdom of God. That's a reference to people coming from everywhere, Gentiles and Jews all over coming uh, to know the salvation that Jesus came to provide. Remember that uh, he is described as a light of revelation to the Gentiles, Luke 2 and verse number 32. All flesh will see the salvation of God. That's what John said, Luke 3 and verse number 6. In our passage from last week, Luke 19 verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. When we think about the book of Luke, humanity certainly has to be one of the five words that we think of to describe the book. Humanity, because Jesus uses the term, the reference son of man to define himself 25 times throughout the book. It is pointing us back to Daniel 7, but it's also pointing us to the fact that he was, is the word 
who became flesh. It also reminds us that Jesus took time to invest in people and that Jesus came to meet the greatest need of all people, and that's salvation. Appreciate your attention this evening. The lesson is yours, and now we're going to offer the Lord's invitation. And maybe there's someone here tonight that has a need to respond, to become a child of God. Jesus died on the cross so that all people might have that opportunity. The question is whether or not we're willing to obey him on his terms. Do you believe in the deity of Jesus? Are you willing to repent of your sins and confess your faith and be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins? If so, we stand ready and willing to assist you in doing it. Maybe you're a Christian tonight and there's something in your life that is uh, not as it should be, or perhaps you'd like uh, encouragement or strength. If there's some way, any way that we can help you, then won't you please come forward and let it be known while we stand and sing together.